You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. Yeah, are you thawing out? Are you thawing out? We had some really nice weather here in Nashville, and then all of a sudden, you know, typical winter, spring, spring, winter type of a thing. You know, I, I thought we might see some snow again like it did this past week. Where did that come from? I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So, uh, so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, and also, uh, welcome to everybody that's here. Welcome to our online family. Also want to take a minute uh, to also welcome uh, our Melody Manor family as well. For those of you, um, you I pastor a house church down about an hour south of town from here. And what I love about Pastor Adonis's heart is just seeing the church community come together. And so I take some time off every now and then to come up here and just share some word. And it's our two communities just coming together, being the church, yeah. acting like the body is supposed to be, right? And so we're just, uh, we're one body. And I just love the vision that Pastor Adonis has. We share that same, that same mindset. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, and I'm thankful to be here with, with you guys. You, you all have just uh, uh, made me feel welcome and a part of this family, and I just love being here. I also really love this, this series, and we are on week three of the Devoted series, and it has been fantastic. I mean, Pastor Adonis and Sarah just come out swinging uh, for the fences, and so I, I kind of wish I had week one now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm following up behind Pastor Donis and Sarah, and they did such a fantastic job. But, but real quickly, we want to just kick off um, with the reminder of our scriptures, Acts 2.42. Um, and I'm going to be reading with the NIV version. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching into the fellowship, into the breaking of bread. I like that part. I like bread. I like bread. Um, thank you. Thank you. And to prayer. And I like that part, too. But uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Uh, it's such a powerful, powerful message as a call to the church and how we are supposed to be as the church. Um, just a quick little recap. Pastor Adonis kicked us off uh, in week one. Jesus Christ is so devoted to us that he laid down his own life for us. Amen. Um, he shared a, a scripture in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? We hadn't even made a commitment, and yet that's how devoted that he is to us, that he gave of himself before there was any commitment to us. He was devoted to us before we were devoted to him. Amen? And, and he could see all of us, and those who would follow him and those who would never believe, and yet he still showed his devotion by laying down his life for us. Uh, Pastor Donna shared the definition of, of devotion, of being very loyal and loving, giving over to the display or the study of, just being devoted, right? Sarah, last week, man alive, did she not do a phenomenal job? It was fantastic. And she talked about being devoted through the storm. Man, that's tough, right? 
And so when, we, when she thinks about, this is kind of a recapping what she was talking about, when she thinks about being devoted, she thinks of being a fanatic, right? Like a super sports fan. Um, I, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we see some, some fanatics maybe in church, but I'm glad that like nobody's painting their, their stomachs and their chests, you know, like Jesus and, you know, in the, I'm, I'm glad we're not to that point. Um, but, uh, you know, we are called to be devoted, right? Um, are we as devoted to the Lord as we tend to be for our favorite sports team? That was a question she threw out to us. She also shared a scripture, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Remember, she's talking about being devoted to, in the storm. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, exclamation point. I like that. I have overcome the world. This is Jesus talking. So Sarah also talked about Joseph in Genesis 37 and 5. She shared that scripture, and I encourage you to go back and read that story of, of Joseph. And that some storms we've done, some, some storms we've brought on ourselves, right? Uh, some storms we may have had a hand in. Uh, and some storms we had nothing to do with at all, but yet we still find ourselves in that storm. And when we are faithful through the storm, that God will pour out his blessing on us. And to not just pour out his blessing on us, but he'll also pour out his blessing on those around us. If he's blessing us and we are able to then allow those blessings to flow through us, through that storm, then other people will be recipients of that blessing as well. Um, she said that the mud that we may be stuck in, that we feel like we may be stuck in, that, that um, we may need to be there it may not be just for us, but maybe we're stuck in the mud with somebody else that's next to us, and we may need to be there for them as well. Maybe we're there to help get them out of the mud, right? And so, uh, man, what a just a fantastic, uh, fantastic message. And then she kind of uh, uh, said, uh, don't ask why, but rather why or how are we going to use this storm? Amen? So such a great, great, powerful message, man. It really really spoke to me. Um, today, we're going to uh, kind of dive into and maybe investigate into what it looks like to be devoted to each other. What? Yeah. So devoted to each other. Um, I realize that it may be a little cool this morning, um, but I promise you, if you participate, you will get warm and, uh, and, and the service may go a little quicker. So I don't have to keep repeating to make sure everybody is listening, right? Remember, I was a youth pastor for a long time, so I have patience to wait to re for response. So, <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about uh, being what it looks like to be devoted to each other and how that relates to Jesus, right? Um, so tr trick question. We're going to come back to this question a little bit later. I'm going to throw this out there. Trick question for you is how many of you wish that Jesus was your best friend? Okay, I like that. She's like, Jesus is my best friend. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a true question, right? Uh, so we'll come back to that question. Just think about that, you know, for a minute. But um, so here's, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. And it's kind of, yeah, I had to think about this for a second, but man, it, it kind of got deep. Of course, C.S. Lewis is kind of deep. Anyway, he's a philosopher like that. But friendship is unnecessary like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value 
Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. So having a friend makes surviving valuable. It makes worth, it makes surviving worthwhile, having friendship in your life. Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. I'm gonna point that out there one more time. Above yourselves. The Amplified version, uh, I like it the way it puts it. It says, be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor. I like that a lot. Proverbs 18.24 says, one who, excuse me, it says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's a, that's a good friend. One that's going to stick around through all the adversity. That's a good friend. So uh, here's, here's a question for you. Before we get into the question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray real quick, okay? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to share your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that it is your voice that is heard and not mine. Lord, speak through me today. Tune our eyes and our ears to hear and to see what your spirit would have to say. Let us lay aside all distractions before and after the service that let us hear what your word has to say. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. This side's good. How about this side? Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So um, in the Bible, there's some relationships and, and friendships that... Uh, that we see throughout the Bible. Um, are there any that, that maybe stand out to you all? And I'm looking for a response. So, Jonathan and David, okay. Anyone else? Bueller? Bueller, anyone? Okay, so I did a survey this week. So that, that was one that came up. That actually probably was the winner of them all. That was the first one that I thought of, right? Um, here's some, uh, here's some, some uh, uh, other ones that, uh, that came up. Ruth and Naomi. Anybody, right? So oddly enough, whenever I asked a guy, most of the time they said Jonathan and David. When I asked uh, a lady, they normally said uh, Ruth and Naomi. I, you know, I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, <clears throat> so some honorable or maybe some not so honorable mentions. I think this is an honorable mention. Uh, Elijah and Elisha, that's a, that's a friendship, right? That's a partnership there. Would you agree? That's a pretty good one. Yes. Um, how about... Uh, David and Bathsheba, maybe, maybe, you know, after everything. So that was, you know, maybe not so honorable, maybe honorable eventually, I don't know. Um, this one came up, Jonah and the whale. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there was so much of a friendship there. Uh, there was a, definitely maybe a partnership, but uh, um, this was another, look, I'm just telling you what, what came at me, okay? This was another one, probably not an honorable mention would be uh, Jezebel and Ahab, right? Yeah, probably not, the, probably not one we're going to talk about here in this situation. Uh, and then last uh, but not least, uh, one that came up was uh, Balaam and the donkey. 
Um, you know, or, you know, my mind goes to Shrek and donkey, right? But, uh, you know, <laughs> but Balaam and the donkey, but we're not going to talk about those today. We're going to go, we're going to focus in on, on David and Jonathan and their friendship, okay? So let's kind of set the stage for a second. Um, David is young, just killed uh, Goliath, you know, this big, huge nine-foot, six-fingered giant, right, with a slingshot. That, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't have those skills, but clearly he did. Uh, so anyway, so, you know, David's like, you know, hometown hero, comes back and, um, you know, has all these things. And, you know, the king, King Saul is, in, you know, is, is trying to honor him. And um, before we kind of get into everything, we're going to kind of skip around on some verses because we're honing in on David and Jonathan's relationship. But y'all, let me tell you, if you've read it before, awesome, go back and read it. If you've never read it before, y'all need to go and read this whole story. Because like when I started studying, like I started in like chapter 15, and then all of a sudden I find myself in like the next book, and it just kept going, and I just couldn't stop reading because it was like a mini-series or something. I mean, it is so good. Y'all need to go read this story, okay? So uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18 is where we're going to start. Chapter 18, we're in the NLT version. And uh, verse 1, and we're kind of, like I said, we're going to kind of hop around just a little bit. Um, as we're honing in on their relationship. Um, After David had finished talking with Saul, again, because he just got done killing Goliath, right? Um, He met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. Verse 3, And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed that pack by taking off his robe, giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. We may not understand just by reading that what that means. That just sounds like, oh, cool, we're trading clothes. Remember, these are, these are guys. They're not girls, right? So a lot of times guys aren't sharing clothes. So it's kind of, you know, that would be kind of weird, right, uh, initially, even though they are teenagers, I don't, I don't remember sharing clothes with, with my buddies. But, you know, I think the girls did all the time. But anyway, so there's not like, you know, this isn't going on. What he did was he shared his, his robe. So his dad is what? Jonathan's dad is what? He's a king. So that makes him what? A, a prince, right? So he's prince. He's heir to the throne. So if he has on a robe, what kind of robe is he wearing? A prince robe. Is that even a word? I don't know. But so he's wearing, you know, a prince's robe, right? Uh, and he's wearing a tunic, kind of like a jacket, because it may have been cold out. I don't know. But he's, he's, uh, he's wearing a tunic. And, you know, as a king and as a prince, you know, part of your duties is to defend your kingdom. And so he has his sword, he has his bow, and he has a belt to hold up everything and wear all of his, you know, he's got a tactical belt, I guess, you know, since he had a sword and bow and all that. Anyway, so but he takes all that off and he puts it on David. And you see the significance in that. He takes off what is his, what is rightfully his, his, uh, 
his, his mantle, he takes off his position, his title, and he places it on David. Meaning, dude, there's nothing that comes between us. We're equals. Not only that, but then he basically is handing over his own mantle, his own anointing then to David. What's mine is yours, is what he's saying. We're going to jump to chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. And Saul uh, now urged his servants and his son, Jonathan, to assassinate David. So this is what I'm trying to tell you. Y'all need to go read so you can fill in the lines because Saul, like, loses his mind uh, and is now going after David. The one who, like, saved the kingdom is now, like, enemy number one on the watch list, right? So, um, and it's not because that David did anything wrong. He didn't. Uh, just Saul is kind of a jealous cat and now wants to make sure that uh, uh, he's the only one that's in charge, not David. But uh, So Saul now urges his uh, servants and his son, Jonathan, to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a place, find a hiding place out in the fields. And we jump to chapter 20, verse 17. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. For David loved, or excuse me, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. He says it, it said again. Remember in scripture, when we see things that are repeated over and over, it's repeated for a reason that adds significance and adds value to what they're saying. This is the second time that you've heard that. So clearly, The bond between them is something that is very, very important. The King James Version says it this way, or excuse me, the New King James says, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Man, that's a deep love. That's a deep care and compassion for someone. Verse 41, again, y'all need to go in and read this story. You promise me? Y'all need to go, thank you. Y'all need to go read this. Online, y'all need to go read this. I'm telling you, you're going to be like, what? This is, it's, a good, it's a good story. Um, full of drama, I promise. Um, verse 41 says, as soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. So I'll fill in a little bit of what was going on. So David um, was running for his life from town to town, hiding out in the wilderness, going to the woods, finding some caves, right? Because King Saul's after him. People turn him in. Saul loses his mind. He kills, he wipes out like this whole line of priests. And I mean, just like I'm telling you, y'all need to go read it seriously. Um, and so King Saul tells Jonathan, like, you know, David tells him, hey, your dad's trying to kill me again. And Jonathan's like, no, he's not. He promised me that he's not. And he's like, dude, I'm telling you, seriously. He probably didn't say dude. Maybe he did. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, he's like seriously, I'm, I promise you, you know, we've made a vow to each other. I'm never going to lie to you. He's after me. So he goes, they set up like this little, uh, this little scenario that would tell him for sure that if his dad was after him. Um, and 
when David's name got brought up at a dinner, uh, King Saul then tried to throw a spear at his own son because his name was brought up, right? So that told him, yeah, he's, he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over David, right? So they, they said, hey, if that happens, then come and find me. I'll be, I'll be chilling out here in the field, and then I'll know for sure, and then you'll know that he's after me, right? And so that's where we come in here and it, um, where David then bowed three times and Jonathan with his face to the ground, both of them were in tears as they embraced each other as they said goodbye, especially David. Verse 42, at last Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn loyalty. Remember Pastor Adonis is a, a definition of devoted, loyal, right? For we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. So it's not like they just pinky promised, but they brought the Lord into it, right? Um, and then the Lord is the witness of a bond between us for, our, for us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to town. Um, if we go on and, and read the story, we... We find out that later on, Jonathan actually ends up dying in battle. And uh, actually, King Saul, uh, Jonathan, and his brothers, they actually all end up dying in, in that same battle. And David is just absolutely heartbroken. Uh, it's his best friend. Um, he, he actually was heartbroken not only for the loss of his, his relationship with his best friend, but even King Saul, he devoted his life to serving King Saul, even though Saul was, was after him. There were several times where David had an attempt to, uh, to actually kill King Saul, but he knew that he was God's anointed and he wasn't going to touch him because he was anointed and appointed by God. And so he, he left that alone, right? And so he was just heartbroken over the loss of, of family, you know? And at the same time, though, now that puts David in a place of now becoming king. David honors this friendship by, uh, in, in, his, in the covenant with his brother Jonathan by protecting, uh, by protecting Jonathan's family. So kind of tradition um, or just the, the way the rules were that uh, if a king died, then the new king that was coming into, into place, into power, he would take out the whole family and so that there was no claim to the throne, right? Um, but David, uh, he honored. Jonathan had one son that survived. He ended up getting crippled. Um, his name was uh, Mephibosheth. Y'all look it up. Um, Mephibosheth, I think is how you say it. You have to slow down when you say it. Um, but uh, David not only just honored him by letting him live, David sought out, because he, he heard that he was alive, he sought him out, brought him to, uh, to where he was, and had him dine with him daily. Not just provided food, not just put him up in a nice hotel or bought his house or that kind of thing, but he made him part of his family. He gave him a place at his table. So he, he gave him, put him in a place of high honor, not just, uh, not just protecting him. And again, that just was not the custom. 
of, of how things were supposed to be. And, and so when we look at, at the relationship of Jonathan and David, we, we see that uh, what, is, what does that mean? What does it stand for? We look at Jonathan as he stands for righteousness. Not that he ever rebelled against his father because he honored his father, but he would speak to his father, which ultimately almost cost his own life from his own father, right? But he stood up for righteousness. He stood up for what was, was right. He loved in a disinterested manner. Uh, that means that uh, there was no, it was not influenced by any consideration of personal advantage. There was nothing that he, the relationship that he had with David, there was nothing that he gained in return. In fact, to show that, we see in the beginning when he first meets David, what does he do? He takes his robe off and he places it on David. He takes his tunic off. He takes his sword and his bow and his belt, right? Remember his tactical belt. And he places it on David. He had nothing in return that he expected from David. There was no gain. I mean, he's a prince. What could he, other than him being king, how could David elevate him any higher? There, there was nothing in, you know, nothing that he could necessarily gain from that relationship. He forms an everlasting covenant with David. A covenant is like, it's more than a promise. It's like a contract, right? I mean, it's something that, that's a bond for life. A bond for life. He, that, and, and, and he intercedes and he stands in the gap. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, he, uh, he tried to do that with, with his own father, with King Saul. He loves without any expectation. He proved his love by his actions, not by mere words. That one kind of hit me a little bit, right? He was willing to lay down his own life for David. And we see that when we go back and we read where his own father was hurling spears at him because he was, again, standing for righteousness, for what was right, he was willing to lay down his own life for David. And ultimately, he did lay down his life, right? And he encourages. That's the kind of friend that Jonathan was to David. And I'm sure that was reciprocated from David to Jonathan, but we're, we're talking about, really, Jonathan in this instance Worship team can come back up. And as we look to at the relationship, it's unique how Jonathan's love for David resembles the love of Christ and how he has what he has for us. And to, to bring us back to that trick question earlier, you know, how many of you like wish Jesus was like your best friend, right? Um, how many of you wish that that Jonathan was your best friend? Anyone? Anyone? Three people? Um, see, here's the thing. What we've talked about is not about 
having friends like Jonathan or Jesus. What I've been talking about is being the friend like Jonathan and Jesus. Amen? So what does that look like? Other than the obvious scripture about love, you know, we go to the love chapter, a lot of times that's spoken at weddings and all those, you know, fun things. But um, let's look at, again, the life of, of Jesus and, and that of Jonathan. And so if, if we're to be friends and we're to be devoted to each other like Jonathan and like Jesus, what does that look like? That we're going to stand up for righteousness. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to love without anything to gain. We're going to love without anything to gain. We're going to serve in times of need. I mean, again, you go back and read that whole story. It's, it's several chapters long. And, but man, is it good. And you see time after time how they were devoted to each other and how they served each other when they needed each other the most. We're going to encourage each other. If we're to be friends like Jonathan and like Jesus, then we're going to be the ones seeking to encourage and not just seeking to be encouraged. Amen? And we're going to pray and intercede for each other. Jonathan and David, they prayed for each other. Ephesians 6.18, an amplified version, it says, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times. How many times? All times, all the times, right? On every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for who? All God's people. If we're called to be devoted to each other, devoted like Jonathan, being a friend like Jonathan, being a friend like Jesus, then we're going to be praying and interceding for each other. We're going to be encouraging each other. We're going to serve those in need. We're going to love without anything to gain, and we're going to stand for righteousness. Amen? Just as Jonathan was a true friend and a faithful friend, just as Jesus is a true friend and a faithful friend to us, we are called to be devoted to each other in our walk. I'm thankful that I have several friends like that in my life. I have several friends in my life that they're devoted to me. I pray that I'm as devoted to them as Jesus is to me and as Jonathan was to David. I'd like to think that I am, but I'm sure there are days that I let them down. So Lord, please, please let me be as devoted to my friends as Jonathan was to David and as you are to me. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, I am giving you a new covenant that you love one another 
just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my my disciples if you have loved and unselfishly concern for one another. This is how people will know that we're disciples of Jesus, by how we love each other, if we're devoted to each other. This is how. Jesus said this. Not me, not John. Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples and by how you love each other. If you're committed to each other, if you're devoted to each other. The NLT says that your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And how we love each other. Romans 12.10, I said it earlier, we'll say it again. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. And man, the opening scripture, the scripture of the whole series just ties it all together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to each other. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus being devoted to us. Father, I thank you for your word and the examples that we have. They're not just stories. They're real-life examples of Jonathan and David and everything that they went through. And yet they were committed, they were devoted, they were loyal to each other. They stood for righteousness. They encouraged each other, they prayed for each other, they lifted each other up. God, help us to be devoted to each other so that the world will see that we are disciples of you. God, we love you. Help us to love each other. Help us to be devoted to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray this was a blessing to you, that it encourages you to be devoted to each other. Amen. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.